0: He's changing my XML. out. <laughs> uh, this is my website First English Baptist Church in Frostburg. So I thought if you guys ever get lonely and miss me, you can go to our website and uh, and check it out. Can you click on that? Go down to Fun Link. Thank you. I wanted to show you something. Look at our Fun Link. Fun Link. Yeah, there it is. Uh, second one down. To learn about one of our missionaries, visit UncPaul.com. Uh, our church supports Uncle Paul. And uh, so we linked his website on there. And I just wanted to point that out. Um, and I also write a weekly column
1: in our newspaper. <laughs>
0: And you can uh, link on to that there. And every week, if you want, you can read my column. It's usually just a funny little thing. you've been around me long enough, now I have a sense of humor. And it's really written just to encourage people who are not Christians just to go to church. And typically, some of the stories you've heard me tell, the real life ones anyway, I'll remember to do that. Um, That's what I write about. Yeah, i got a couple of questions I want to ask you, all right? Who wants me to ask you first? Let me ask you a question? All right, here's your question. Where are you going? Home. Oh, Home? Okay. So wants me to ask question? Where are you going? Heaven. Heaven? Where are you going? Heaven. Heaven? go going anywhere different? Paul?
1: you Mountain Dew first. Heaven. next. <laughs> <laughs> right. Get
0: your priorities straight.
1: Are you going? Okay.
0: That's a question that I've been asking people. Uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to be? Where are you going with your life? You can pull that off of there now if you want. Uh, there's a picture of me on there somewhere. But Those people there, we have no idea who they are. That was just going to be a thing. We couldn't take them off. Uh,
1: think
0: it'd be funny to do the graffiti, give the little girl that. <laughs> That's don't know who they are. They're probably real people. Don't they? they just don't come to my church.
1: <laughs>
0: where are you going? That's a big question. Where are you going? Some of you think you know that answer. But anybody else want to say where are you going? Where are you going? God takes me. Wherever God takes you. That's a good one. To bed.
1: (laughs) Okay. Campfire.
0: Going to campfire. All right. All right. Some of you think you know. Where are you
1: going?
0: All right. Two guys want to see a movie? (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: Two guys want to see a movie and the movie was about horse racing, one of those uh, sea biscuits or whatever that horse was. And they're watching the race and they're sitting there in the pew. Here. We've been in chapel a long time. Sitting in their theater seat, and it gets to the point where the big race is coming up. And one guy says to his buddy, I'll bet you five bucks number four wins the race. The guy says, okay. So the, the movie goes on and the, the race happens, and the number four horse wins the race. So the guys are leaving the movie, and the guy pulls out the five dollars and says, here's the money. And his friend said, you know, I can't really take your money from that. I've got to be honest with you. I was here yesterday. I saw the movie then. I knew how it was going to turn out. His friend says, oh, that's all right. I saw it yesterday too. I didn't think you could do it twice in a row. <laughs> so much where we stand as in what direction we are going. Another great philosopher put it another way when he said this, in the great supermarket of life, may the wheels on your grocery cart all move the same direction. (laughs) You
1: (laughs) ever have one of those carts in the grocery
0: store? (laughs) Well, this evening, I don't know where you're going. I, I'm going to tell you one thing, and uh, the ultimate where you're going, everybody got it wrong, okay? And I'll explain why in just a little bit. In the meantime, the other, before the ultimate where are you're going, uh, I can't tell you. When I was your age, you know, I was working at a summer camp uh, as a counselor. I, I had no idea, though, where I would be down there. Certainly no idea that I'd be in a camp in Tennessee speaking for a week. I have no idea where you're going, where God is going to take you. Not a clue. I can tell you this. It'll be an exciting journey. It'll be fun. And when you're my age, looking back, you'll think to yourself, you know, God did pretty good. Took me on a fun journey. Learned a lot. We need to keep going in the same direction. I want to leave you th- with that thought in, in your head here: that you don't necessarily know the end result of everything in life. You don't know what you're going to be yet. You don't know where you're going to be when you're 50. You don't know how many kids you're going to have. You don't know if you ever find the love of your life. You don't know. <laughs> you know some of you think you have. Uh, you don't know that. Oh, no. But I want you to understand you can know the direction that God wants you to go in. You can know which way He wants you to go. It's all marked out for you. We need to keep moving. You can't stop in the Christian life. You can't lollygag As somebody was saying at dinner. Uh, you can't lollygag around. And uh, there's a reason you can't lollygag. Anyone we'll know what that is?
1: For <laughs>
0: Why can't you lollygag? It's a, race. it's a race! You can't lollygag in a race. You want to win. So, uh, we're going to be talking here a little bit about this. Turn in your Bibles to
1: what? Hebrews 12. Let's go to 12. You graduated. Hebrews
0: 12. Tonight I want you to understand that when God calls you to run a race, He'll give you the courage to do it. Even if you don't know where you're going to end up. I'm going to read the first few verses here so we kind of know what we're talking about together. Chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's what we're talking about tonight. I'm going to pull out a few thoughts that I think will help you make a decision in your own heart that you will answer God's call on your life. God is calling you. He has a plan for your life. He has it marked out. The course is established. It's set. What he wants you to do is to figure out where that first marker is and just head toward the marker and from that marker, God will lead you somewhere else and when you look back on your life, you'll be able to say, like Paul, I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Alright, that's how we work prayer. Father, we ask that you be with us as we look now at Hebrews chapter 12. We thank you for that great cloud of witnesses that we've talked about all week. Those that be able to transfer that to us, that someday maybe we can write a book, we can tell stories about God's amazing grace in us, for we ask in his name, amen. There are some problems with running this race. Some of you I've seen wear track shirts. How many have run track or did track and field in school? Good many of you. I, I never have. My, uh, my daughter did in high school. She ran track. Well, there were some funny stories there. She was going uh, We were in Boonesboro, Maryland, about an hour and a half drive from our house. Big track meet, probably 12 schools in it. And uh, Kimberly was in three different events. He's in the long jump, the high jump, and one of the uh, 400 meter relays. And. Uh, you guys know, that if you in a trap, your family knows, those things are brutal for spectators. I mean, they last for hours and hours, sometimes days, it seems. So Candy and I, uh, my wife, we're sitting there waiting for Kimberly. We're watching out on the field all these schools. We're there for like two hours, and she hasn't done a thing. <coughs> and she, we, we watch her. She gets up. She takes her little gym bag. And we see her walking across the field heading toward the long jump pit. And we're thinking, yes! Finally going to get her to see her do something. And so she walks over there, takes off her sweat, stretches out, you know, like they do, (laughs) lines it up, takes a run, jumps, boom! And, And we knew that you had at least three attempts at this. After her first attempt, goes back to her gym bag, puts her sweats on, goes back to the other end, lays down on a pillow, and looks like she's falling asleep. And we're looking at each other like, what was that? She she ran for like 12 seconds, didn't even do all she could do, just one jump, and she was done. And so we had already been there two hours. It was another two hours to her next event. So over four hours, she, in four hours, get this, she ran, what is that, four yards, at that, on a long jump, you know, and jumped one time. So when we headed home, we caught her, her mom and I went to Red Lobster after that, but uh, it was Kimberly, what is the deal here? You only had one, one jump. She said, well, I was saving my strength for the high jump. <laughs> Don't you see that? You were in it. She did one thing, surely uh, you yeah, have more energy than that, and she said, oh, I had to save my strength. But I jumped. She didn't even do that well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll
0: keep thinking on it. These a good one. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, uh, these are not your aunts and uncles and grandparents that have died in heaven looking out at you. You know, some people read that and they they think that all of their old dead relatives are up in heaven watching everything you do. That's not the cloud of witnesses he's talking about. He's referring to Hebrews 11. He's referring to the heroes of the faith. He's telling us that here is page after page of people down through Bible history who have been witness to the grace of God in their lives. They have seen it firsthand. We had little shepherd boys. We had guys that were farmers. We had slaves. We had all kinds of people, the most unlikely candidates that you could ever imagine, that God put his hand on and said, I am calling you to do something extraordinary. And they're all saying, who, me? I'm not an extraordinary person. And yet God called them, and he gave them grace to do what he called them to do. I want you to notice here. Keep going to verse uh, 1. Therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. I want you to know this here first. One of the challenges we have, any of us, in running the race that God has called you to run is that Satan wants to slow you down. This is a race. And the devil is not interested in you doing well in this race. He says here about this sin that so easily entangles us. What do you think that is? What is the sin that so easily entangles Anyone want to guess? Devonation. Adultery?
1: Anything.
0: <coughs> Anything. It is whatever sin you have trouble dealing with. The one that grabs you easily. It may be lusting after somebody else. It may be the temptation to cheat on every test that you take. It may be that you're a compulsive liar. It may be that you have a problem stealing. It may be that you have a foul mouth. It may be that you do things that a Christian shouldn't do. But you know in your heart where you are weak. I know the sin that entangles me. I know what it is. I know where my weaknesses lie. And what he wants us to know here is that when God calls you to run this race, be aware. Satan does not want you to finish that race. He wants to entangle you. And what he's saying is get rid of all that stuff. Stay away from anything that you know that you're going to give in to that you're going to be weak. My guess is that Satan would love nothing else than to make Camp Tapawingo a non-factor in in Tennessee and in the world. That he would like to diminish this ministry. He would like nothing better than for you guys to walk out of here and say, well, it was fun but it didn't do anything for me. didn't change me. didn't make me decide to want to follow God anymore. To make something a non-factor. Satan wants to make you a non-factor. He wants to say you don't make any difference in God's kingdom. And this is one of the challenges that we have in running the Christian life. Is that we want to continue to do things for God's kingdom. Look at verse uh, one again. Here, I'm trying to pull these out. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out before us. Let us run with perseverance. The Christian life requires perseverance. Perseverance means stick to itiveness. It means you're not going to quit. You're going to keep going, even when you get tired. Just like I did this morning on the rock wall. I got tired, but I kept going. In the Christian life, uh, we need to keep going. We need to persevere. You know, not everyone will finish their race in the Christian life. That's a sad thing. Probably some of you here will not complete the race that God has marked out for your life. Some of you will never truly discover your potential that God has placed in you to live your life for Him and to impact this world for Jesus Christ. Why? Because people drop out. I'm not saying you lose your salvation because I believe once you're truly born again, you're always saved. I think that's up to God to keep you that way. So I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm just talking about never finding the marks that God has placed, the markers, the, the race, the course. Never seeing it, never running it and to someday look back on your life and regret that you didn't do it. That there was a crossroads, that there was a time when God was calling you, when he was telling you, I want you, I need you in my kingdom, and to look back in life and say, you didn't take it. There's a story that took place in Wisconsin, up north, further north in Maryland even, and uh, they have dog sled races there in the winter, up near Lake Superior along the uh, the shore of the lakes. And in Frostburg, we have a... I'm telling you, it's goofy, I think, but uh, a derby day on the 4th of July. You know those soapbox derby cars that the kids drive and they shut off Main Street and they go down the hill and do all that. In Wisconsin, they do a similar thing, but it's dog sled races. And this is a true story uh, told by some people there that uh, every year they have dog sled races for young people. And they mark out the course along the frozen lake, and so the people line up kind of on the bank. It kind of reminded me when we were out at the lake yesterday, how we're all up on the bank. You know, if you could imagine the lake being frozen over or something. And they take uh, pine trees, fir trees, and they plant those in the ice to mark out the course that the dog sled have to navigate, but all the spectators are up on the side of the hill watching. But the course is like a mile long. So they go out a half a mile up the, up the shore and then back. But from where the people are, they can all see the race. So there's all kinds of people that get in this dog race, all kinds of kids. And some that has, you know, teams of dogs, you know, ten dogs, and six dogs, and big kids, little kids. And in this particular race, uh, there was one kid who had one dog. He was a little kid, but he was entering in the race. He had one dog and uh, in my mind, remember in uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas? The dog? That's what I'm picturing when I uh, see this story. Uh, What was his name? Matt. I didn't hear you. Long day. Matt. In in Wisconsin, they they do this race, and and all these guys, maybe ten sleds going out all at once, and Uh, They're going up and they're going through the course. And some parts they've made it narrow, some parts they've made it wide so they can pass and so forth. But the people that are watching could see that the two sleds that were in the lead, they got too close. (coughs) Uh, And the the dogs, the huskies, started get into a fight. The the dogs got too close. And And all of a sudden, those two sleds are just totally stopped because the dogs are in this big brawl. And then the next sled that comes up, he tries to avoid it, but their dogs get into the fray and into the thing, and soon all the sleds, all the sleds, the dogs have gotten too close, nobody could get around, and they're all in this big fight, except for this one little kid. And he's got one little dog. Of course, he's been bringing up the rear the whole time, but he sees what's going on, and he he just has one dog to control, and so he just goes way around, and he's looking at him, All the dogs barking. And he goes around, goes around the tree. These guys can't get control of their dogs. And there's one kid who finishes the race. The kid with one dog. The most unlikely person to win the race, and he gets the big trophy. Why? Because he kept going. He persevered. He kept moving forward when everyone else had gotten entangled gotten slowed down and moved right along. I want you to understand here. Some of you guys, you're going to have some tough things happen to you. Some of you already have. Life isn't easy. And we talked a little bit about that. There will be tough things that happen. And when they do, it's sad to say, but a lot of Christians, I'm not saying they're losing their salvation. I'm saying they're losing their faith. They're losing their will to keep following God and people drop out. I don't want that to happen to you. I want you to complete the race that God has planned for you. Uh, people, you'll face all kinds of obstacles. They might be financial. They might be marriage related. They might be spiritual. They might be health issues. Uh, you might lose someone you love that you care about. Uh, I don't know. There's too many. They're either going to drain you or strengthen you. A guy in my church is named Daryl. He's 61. He is built like a tank. He is big, big arms, lifts weights every other day and lifts a lot of weight. About two years ago, Daryl convinced me to go lift weights with him. Now, I did a little weightlifting in college. You'd okay. never know it. Looking at me now, I know.
1: <laughs> but
0: uh, So I went with Daryl and a couple other guys from our church were lifting. They were all much beefier than me. So Daryl had me on all these machines in, in this uh, gym thing. And he's got me doing all these things. And I mean, first day out, he is killing me. He, and he tells me later, well, my, what I'm trying to do is break all your muscles down and then build them up again. Oh, let me tell you, he broke them down. <laughs> he broke them down. I'm telling you, I slept like this for three nights. I couldn't move. And uh, But I stuck with it. You know, I worked through it. He helped me. He said, Now, this is what you want to do. And I'm very Oh, everything hurt. I did it. And it was true. I got past that in a, in a couple of weeks. And, and I kept lifting for it. I felt okay about it. But it, it reminded me here of how sometimes in life the things that we go through, that the tough times, they'll either drain you, take everything that you have and make you want to quit, or you will persevere, you will tough it out, you will keep going, and when you get done, you will look back and say, I'm stronger now than I've ever been. Of course, I quit. <laughs> I quit after about a month. Uh, but anyway, that's another story. I also want you to notice the end of verse 1. Run with perseverance. The race marked out for who? Us what the author is saying, not only did Daniel have a race, and David and Gideon and Barak and the Israelites and the judges and all those guys, not only did they have a race, God said, you have one. You have a race. Megan has a race. Hannah has a race. Good thing you ran track, right? You have a race, all of you. God has a course already marked out for you. It's there. It's ready for you. He just wants you to start on it. But it's a personal, uh, personal race. Now, I don't have to run your race. I don't have to do that. Your race is yours. My race, to be honest with you, sometimes it's kind of boring. Yours, yours might be a little tougher. Mine, mine doesn't have as many sprints in it as it used to. It's more of a, my race, it's more of a, uh, this kind of a run now. I want you to understand here that we all have a different race. You don't have to run mine. I don't have to run yours. You don't have to run Billy Graham's race. Wouldn't that be something? Traveling all over the world, preaching to thousands of people every day and running schools and projects. Billy Graham, that's a tough race to run, but he's done it well. Billy Graham, though, maybe if he sat down with a couple of you and you told him your pitiful life story, Billy Graham would be thrilled he didn't have to run your race. Huh? He'd say, wow, you got it rough. That's hard. We don't have to run each other's race, but I want you to understand you have to run yours. God has something for you. Look at verse 2. Every time I do this, my eyes have to adjust. I do wear reading glasses. Let us fix our eyes on who? Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, what I want you to notice here, he talks about Jesus who had his own race to run, and it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So how did Jesus get through his race? What was he looking at? Joy. Joy. And where was the joy? (coughs) On the other side of the what? Right. He knew he had to go through the cross, So he wasn't focusing on the cross. He was focusing on what was just beyond that, and that was his joy. His joy is that when he got through the cross, his race would be run. That would be the end. There is his joy. To know that he can look back and say, I did what God sent me to do, therefore I have joy. What's interesting here with the writer of Hebrews is that he doesn't tell us to look at our joy? Did you notice that? He doesn't say, Look through your cross, or look through your lines, then or look uh, through your Red Sea and see the joy that's before it. What did he tell you to look at in your race? What are you supposed to look at?
1: Joy. No. Jesus.
0: Look at Jesus. I want you to understand this as well. When I ask you, where are you going? That means, what is your destination? Where are you going? The Bible tells us that we are predestined, meaning our destination is already determined, and our destination is not necessarily just a place. It is a person. Jesus says, focus on me. Look at me. You are destined to be like Jesus Christ. Every one of us. That's your destination, to be like Him. And the closer we can get to Him now, the better. But someday the Bible says Jesus is going to come. He's going to call us home. And when we see Him, we will be like Him. We will be changed to be like Him. That's where you're going. You're going to Jesus. You're going to be like him. That's our destination, and our course in life is designed to take us there. It is designed to make us more like Jesus Christ. It's a personalized race. You have to run it. Your focus. Candy and I ride bikes. You know what kind of bike I ride, and Candy. No, no, not a mountain bike.
1: I'll tell you. An old bike?
0: You, say, you better believe it's an old bike. We ride bikes that I bought in 1977. They are from Sears. They're called Free Spirit. They're blue. And last year, for the first time, we put new tires on. So we're ready to go another 30 years. Yeah. Now, we ride these bikes on a trail that uh, runs from Pittsburgh to Washington, D.C. and just happens to go right through Frostburg. So we can go down there, take the bike, jump on the trail. And if you go about four miles up the mountain, you come to what's called Big Savage Mountain. And just imagine it, it's, it's hilly like it is here, just not quite as deep. Big Savage Mountain. But it follows an old railroad bed. That's the trail with no tracks. And so there are a couple of tunnels that go through the mountains. And Big Savage Tunnel is a tunnel that is just under a mile long. Okay? It's, it's a long tunnel, not very wide, just enough for a train to get through if there were a train. And it's lit. Every so often there are lights. But you have, it has a slight curve in it so that when you go in... In the far, far distance, you can see about a little dot of light, like that. That's the other end. And so you go through. And it takes maybe five five minutes, seven minutes just to ride one way through. So we finally made it. It was all uphill to get to Big Savage Mountain from where we live, so it's all uphill. So we've been riding, you know, for like forty-five minutes. Finally find the tunnel, get through it, and we're going through it, and we stop on the other side and uh, take a little breath because then you get to go downhill back home, which is the best part. But And you go through the tunnel and it's really cold in there. It feels good in the summer. But I told Candy, I said, man, it's a good thing. They have lights on in that thing because it would be pitch black in there. I don't know how you could get through if, if the lights weren't on. So we started back in. I kid you not. I was into that tunnel, not 30 feet, and what do you think happened? All the lights went out. And uh, we just thought that was about the funniest thing, that God, I should have just kept quiet. It's like, God probably thinks, yeah, that would be a funny idea, let's see what happens. (laughs) Turn the lights off on David and Candy. And so, we're looking here, you can't see anything. You cannot see the hand in front of your face unless you put it in front of that dot at the end. And the tunnel's not very wide, and so we'd slow down, we should have walked, but we kept riding really slow, and focused on that dot, and up above where the the light casings were, every now and then you could just catch a little reflection from either behind you, from the opening, or ahead, and so we're riding really slow, focused, looking ahead, looking down. Knowing that if you drift off a little bit, you're going to just run right into the the concrete wall. (laughs) took us much longer to get through. But I'll tell you this. I was never more focused in my life. When you talk about going somewhere, never more focused than then. Had to focus on that trail, on that path. Had to get through it. And that's, I think, what he's saying here. We need to focus on Jesus Christ. If we want to have any hope of getting through this life and getting through this course in a way that brings glory to God, it requires us to focus on Jesus Christ. So Jesus endured the rape because of his joy. His joy was in finishing, winning, and the fact that he was making a way for us. We're to focus on Jesus. He is our goal. We want to be like Him, and to be like Christ, that's the ultimate victory. We want to be able to see Jesus when we're tired, when we get off course, when we want to quit. It requires focus. The last point I want to make here, regarding this, this challenge, is this statement here. I want you to remember that this life that we are in, it is a race. It isn't a stroll. It is a race, not a stroll. There is an expediency to living our lives for Christ. That just means there's something immediate about it. As we live for Christ, we need to be doing it knowing that there is a timeline involved. One cool thing about your generation, and maybe the tail end of mine, I believe without a doubt your generation gets to see Jesus Christ return. Without a doubt. I might get in there. I believe, and we're not doing a a study on prophecy, but uh, someday i maybe come back and I could, because I love it. But I I believe you're in. Unless you guys get sick or fall off a cliff or something, you're going to be alive when Jesus Christ returns. When that trumpet sounds and Jesus calls out your name, you're going to be gone. You're going to see it. There is a timeline here. The problem with that is that there's a timeline for your friends, that there's a timeline for your parents, there's a timeline for the people that you love and care about who do not know Christ. And someday that trumpet will sound, and if you're a Christian, you're going to go. But many others that don't know Christ will be left behind. That's why this is a race. That's why it's something we're to put some kind of effort into. We're supposed to run because there's a timeline involved. Where is? Kareem? Is she here? Yeah. Do you know who Winston Churchill is? Yeah, yeah. Great Britain guy, right? Yeah. Back yeah. <laughs> third World, World War II.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs>
0: Winston Churchill. Uh, led Great Britain during World War II. This is what he said. I want you to listen to this. It's no use saying we're doing our best. You've got to succeed in doing what is necessary. What he's saying here is it's not enough to say we're doing the best we can. We have to succeed in what is necessary. Your generation, this is it, I believe, for planet Earth. Your generation. The people you're growing up with. This will be it. This is the world's last chance to find pride. It's The time has passed. You cannot say anymore, we're doing our best. You know, we're doing as good as we can do. You have to be like Winston Churchill and say, our best isn't enough anymore. Now we must make sure that we succeed In doing the things that are necessary, and what is necessary for us as Christians is to take the gospel to people. Make sure they hear. This race is not a stroll. It's a race. We should run it. We all run at different speeds. You've seen me run here, maybe. You know I'm slow. There was a day I could go a little quicker. You've seen me jump. That's even worse. Even more pitiful. This is a race. Hang on. I want you to understand here. I don't know where God's going to take you. I can tell you this Jesus is coming back soon. He wants you to think of your life as a race. It's something you have to move on, it's something you can't keep putting off till tomorrow. It's something you can't say, well, I'll do my best today, but I don't know about tomorrow. There is a time when you have to say, I will succeed with the grace of God helping me, I will do what God has set out for me to do. I will succeed. I will answer His call. And I, you know, I believe God has a call for everybody. I don't believe He just calls missionaries. I don't believe He just calls pastors. That might be a special kind of a deal. But I believe He calls everyone to run your race. To get up and say, God, wherever you want to take me, I'm willing to go. So I want to ask you this. What about you? Are you headed in the right direction? Are you headed toward your destination, which is Jesus? Where's God taking you? How easy is your course going to be? It's going to be easy? It's going to be hard? Some of you already have an idea. You're thinking, well, if it's anything like the first 14 years, it could be a trouble could be a hard one to go through. Some of you may give up before you even get a chance to start. Some of you, when God is calling at your heart, will say, you know, God, I don't think so. I'll take my chances doing what I want to do. For those who decide that, you're going to miss out on the greatest adventure you could ever possibly know. Maybe God has made this place, Camp Tabbawingo. Maybe this is your starting gate. I don't know. Maybe this is where God says, are you willing to go? Are you willing to do it? You're willing to look for that first marker. Are you willing to head in that direction? Are you willing to do it? And then when you get there, to ask me where the next one is and to just keep going forward. Maybe God's calling you to run. Maybe there are people living in your house that will not go when Jesus returns. Maybe your race is to make sure that they do go. And i got to tell ya, you, you've heard me talk a little bit about my dad. Trust me, I know what it's like to have a parent that is not a Christian. It's a tough road to hoe, <coughs> as my mother used to say. It's hard. It's a hard race to run. But are you willing to go, even though you don't know the course? Will you consider saying to Jesus when he calls in your heart, I will go. I will run. I will not look back. I will finish what you call me to start. Wherever you take me, I'm willing to go. The Apostle Paul did that. Later in life, in 2 Timothy 4, this is what he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness. I want you to say that when you're old and gray. I want you to look back, uh, if you make it, if Jesus doesn't come first. But to be able to say, I did my race. I did it. God called me. I said yes. I never regretted it. And through it all, I kept the faith. I want you to bow with me in prayer and then I'm going to ask Paul to come up and close this part of the service out. Father, I thank you that you do love us enough that you have planned for each of us the most amazing life that we could ever imagine. And it's right here. It is in front of us. It is the race that you have marked out for us. Father, help us to not make excuses. Help us to recognize that all those who went before, all those witnesses, Daniel, David, Gideon, Barak, Deborah, Moses, Abraham, Joseph, They all bear witness to the truth that the grace of God is enough. It is sufficient to do what you've called us to do. It will be there in those critical times. It will make us strong when we think we are weak. Father, I thank you for the lessons I'm taking back to Maryland with me, things that I've learned from these young people that I will use in sermons in the months ahead. They're a great bunch, Lord, and they love you. I pray, Father, that you will not help that you will help them not to be afraid to step out, to say yes to you, and then to follow through, to run their race towards Jesus. Father, I ask this in his name,
1: <laughs> Amen.